everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Elections on Tap with your host, Miles Wilburn. I am joined today by uh, Tyler Gardner and uh, Max Lippman. It's been a couple of months, or it's been a little while anyway, since uh, we put out an episode. Honestly, there haven't really been that many elections going on, and life's kind of gotten the best of the panel and me. Um, that said, we'll be talking about the Wisconsin Supreme uh, Court race, the Chicago mayoral race, and what's kind of gone down nationally and uh, what electoral consequences uh, those actions or those events might lead down the road uh, or might have down the road. Um, Getting my words mixed up here. My bad. Uh, So without further ado, let's begin. Um, So the first question to my panelists is um, early last week, we had a Supreme Court race in Wisconsin. And what are some takeaways that you gleaned from that race? And I'll go to Tyler first on that. Yeah, I mean, first, good to be back. Uh, A little rusty, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, So I would say for Wisconsin, um, I mean, that was just a great night, right? Like, I think everybody going into it had a pretty good vibe about it. Like, seemed like Dan Kelly was screwed. But I think 2016... Wisconsin is still just like traumatized in my brain for the rest of my life. Um, You know, it still has always seemed the most red out of the Michigan PA Wisconsin trio. So like I still wasn't taking anything for granted. Um, But actually getting that result was just such a huge win, uh, especially obviously for people in Wisconsin with just how gerrymandered they are and how absolutely insane. the supermajority there is. Um, but I mean, as far as like electoral takeaways, just in terms of, you know, how much Kelly managed to lose that by is to me a good sign that like this just absolutely batshit Republican way of running and being is hopefully just really out of favor with people. People are just sick of it. Um, you know, I think when Trump won in 16, there was this air of like, yeah, he's like kind of nuts sounding, but like, you know, maybe he's different and like, yeah, it's just talk and he's going to, you know, maybe not be as partisan as whatever. But I think after Trump and after people seeing, you know, people like DeSantis and some of these other figures nationally that they've realized like, oh no, these people are what they sound like and what they say. Uh, And especially in terms of like the abortion conversation right now and trans conversation right now and just the LGBT conversation more broadly, like people genuinely have reason to be worried about what happens if people like this stay in power or get power. Um, And so, you know, as much as the Republican Party likes to make out that some of the that abortion or LGBT are like these extreme left issues. I think broadly we've seen that they're quite normal independent issues as well. And generally people lean on the liberal side of things, even if they don't really know why or or know the terminology or or whatnot. Um, and so I think this was just yet another case of of seeing 
one of these really far right Republicans use these talking points that to them is like, oh, this is a slam dunk and getting absolutely destroyed yet again. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I think that I would uh, definitely agree. Um, Max, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I could have told you the exact result that would have happened the day of the primary. And I did to anyone that was listening to me, even though people usually don't for good reason. But I mean, expected win, but you know, wins a win. And we should feel good about this. Wisconsin is going to change, which is good. Robin Voss, God willing, won't be speaker anymore, or at least will have his power greatly reduced. And I think it showed that, to me at least, the Dem firewall in the Midwest is very, very close to back. We have Michigan all but locked up right now. Minnesota looking stronger than ever. We have Wisconsin being Wisconsin, but finally there. And I think it's really just a sigh of relief for any Midwestern Democrats understanding that this is our normal now. And also, I really think that it needs to be a reflection on how just good the Wisconsin Democratic Party is. I mean, I know a lot of people, Ben Wickler is the best party chair in the country. If you could replicate him and send him to Florida, it would be the best thing for this democracy since like Lyndon Johnson. Uh, and I wish we could, but I, I think it's just a reflection of what you can do when you have a competent state party, you have competent recruiting, you have competent leadership, uh, and, and it all came together. And they flipped the Supreme Court in what, like three years? Absolutely incredible. And it's something that almost no other state can do. I mean, you have, at this point, you have a Wisconsin Supreme Court that's more liberal than New York State Supreme Court, which is absolutely insane. So I, I think it's great progress and, and hopefully they can get some big rolling soon. Yeah, I think that I would definitely agree. Um, to sort of piggyback off of that, uh, we're going to get we're, we're going to get some more favorable seats, um, both on the state and federal level in that state, um, and I'm really looking forward to that and seeing um, you know how that all kind of shakes out. I th I think that it's I mean obviously it's it's good for 2024 implications, uh, and you know how we were kind of close to um, the state quote unquote flipping back to to, to Trump and all that stuff. Um, and, and, you know, and, and Trump actually, uh, actually cheating. <laughs> I think that it's, it, it's definitely a, a, it's, it's, it's a really good thing. Um, and that just kind of, kind of to echo that, um, and, you know, Midwestern Dems are cooking right now. <laughs> there, there's so much out that's come or, or that's come out from the, 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 the trifectas in both Minnesota and, and Michigan, um, and, I mean, and they've really got the ball rolling on pretty much every issue there was, a, it, and it seems like there was a, a, a concrete effort in both those states, and like even with Minnesota having such a, such a tight state Senate majority, um, there was a mission to get policy through and that's amazing. So. Chairman Waltz doing great over there. He's he is uh, leading the People's Republic of Minnesota to a brand. And I'm living through it. <laughs> yeah, you are lucky <laughs> over there. Uh, I wanted to to kind of add, since you mentioned, obviously, like the Supreme Court in Wisconsin giving us some more favorable seats across the board there. I think something that goes overlooked in those conversations beyond just like, well, you know, state house will get a bit more favorable, like might send another Dem or two to Congress, whatever. Something that gets lost is how important just being able to have a wider bench is in competitive states, like living in Ohio and, you know, seeing what's happened to Ohio politics happen over the last like 15 years. Um, 
one of the big problems is just that because even an ungerrymandered Ohio would still be fairly red right now, but because of how we are gerrymandered and how few seats there are in the state house and the state Senate, that it's even feasible for a Dem to win, you get these people in there that don't really feel like they can move up to anything. So they end up just stuck there for a while, which means you don't have new blood, which means you don't have more opportunities for for more people who can be exciting, fresh faces for statewide races and things like that. And that's why you end up seeing either nobodies or sort of old recycled faces in state politics continue to come back, uh, even people that have lost or, you know, then lose multiple times. So just getting to build a wider bench on its own is, I think, super valuable and kind of gets lost in in the conversation sometimes. Um, and then I did want to ask Max, since you mentioned kind of the the blue wall being back, would you, going into 24, be comfortable calling Wisconsin like lean D or do you still feel that it's the toss up of the three? Because in my head, I would be like, okay, heading into 24, starting the board, Michigan, PA, lean D, Wisconsin toss up. But is that me still 2016 pilled? I think the my question to you back would be what candidate? And I have an answer for you based on either. Interesting. Well, if it's Trump or DeSantis, then what would be your answer for each oh, one? Oh, I was talking Nikki Haley. Uh, <laughs> now, I, okay, Trump, I'd go, I'd go a little off the beaten path here. Trump, Michigan likely D, Pennsylvania likely D, Wisconsin lean D, uh, Minnesota safety. DeSantis, I don't have a read on his support at all. I think I'd put all of them at likely D. I think DeSantis is such a capital L loser. Meatball Ron has no juice. I think Trump's odds are somehow better than his. I don't see Ron DeSantis playing to Wisconsin at all. Like he's a worse Scott Walker, maybe. Scott Walker is not winning in Wisconsin. We saw Tony win two years ago. Like, I I really don't see his appeal. And I mean, I think Trump's not winning Pennsylvania again. He got we've we've absolutely seen the Philadelphia suburbs turn out. Uh, Trump's not winning Michigan. Just straight up, it's not happening. And I I really I know it's, I only said lean, but I struggle to see Trump winning back those voters in the Wow counties. Like, we, there's a very good argument to be made that that we won the Wisconsin seat because of. Uh, incredible turnout in Dane, which isn't changing the Trump on ballot at all, and a softening of the Wow counties, which they've clearly reviewed Trump time and time again, and that's not changing. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you say that you think Trump is somehow better than DeSantis, and because I, I agree, and it's also sort of hard for me to formulate in my head why, but, you know, as basic and memey as it is like DeSantis does just have no riz at all he's got no game and like it's hard for me to imagine him exciting people but also not just turning away people for being weird like not that Trump also isn't weird in his own ways but like the ways in which they're just strange and unappealing is like much worse for DeSantis I find and so like it does still feel weird to me to say that I think Trump is a better, stronger candidate than DeSantis, but at the moment, that does feel true to me. I mean, if you if you look at Trump's support, it's rural whites and it's unions, 
role. I, does DeSantis have any juice there? I don't think so. Like, are union guys going back? Like, I mean, and obviously this applies to Trump too. He says most out of touch, but they respect it as well. There's nothing to respect about Ron DeSantis. He's a prep boy from Harvard and Yale. There's, there's absolutely nothing there to even like draw someone in. With Trump, it was he's rich, he's made something, he's this incredible boss. There's nothing like that with Ron DeSantis. I mean, the man almost lost to Andrew Gillum, so that should say something about DeSantis. In in retrospect, if we could change anything, it would be focus all of our money to Bill Nelson and beating Rick Scott and throw Gillum to the wolves. And uh, I don't know who had – someone must have in the Dem, Florida Dem Party had the oppo on, on Gillum and knew what was going on and just completely derelicted their duty by not telling people. And also – Somebody needed to get Bill Nelson that Spanish language website. That's I'm time traveling back. That's I'm finding his his uh his website people and being like, make a Spanish website, get a Spanish ad out there, <laughs> do what you gotta do. Someone had a tweet about like just making him go on a Duolingo, and I agree with that. I think he was also hurt and it's it's frustrating because it's stupid. But Obama softening on Cuba really, really hurt him. And I think a lot of people underestimated the long-reaching impact of that. Yeah, I think that's true. But yeah, is there is there anything else y'all like to like to add to the to, to the Wisconsin and um what we what what we've addressed? I mean, I'd just say that, you know, even beyond broader policy implications, it's just good to see people like dan kelly lose (laughs) like there is this class of just like old creepy weirdo in politics that just like skate by right on being like oh they seem kind of like suburban and whatever and are just like the worst person you can imagine and anytime we take one of those guys down and end their career that's a huge win yeah, I mean, he's like Mastriano, terrible guy, glad he lost, and I hope he comes back, because if Dan Kelly comes back again, it's just another win for us. Yep, I, I, would, I would agree. Ditto. Hey, so, you know, a quick, quick little last note on that. The WOW counties just going further and further left over the last, like, five, six years is really interesting to see. Not surprising, fits the trends, but the day that we actually start seeing some wins there and not just like smaller and smaller losses, you know, even though I think it'll be a long time coming and maybe not surprising in the moment, just long-term will be a kind of crazy thing to actually see probably within the next five or 10 years. Yeah. At least with the two W's out of the wow, I think if I'm getting that right. I'm pro- I, I might not be. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, moving on. Um, so that same day, uh, uh, last week or two, or, yeah, yeah, a week and a half ago, we had the uh, nominally nonpartisan uh, Chicago mayoral election, and I, I, I put that in air quotes um, because it was kind of a partisan election. In any case, uh, what are your thoughts on the race and uh, on that race and its implications? Uh, and I'll go to Max first. Yeah, so uh, big announcement. I'm moving to Chicago in a month, actually. So this is my mayor, I guess. And I'm a little surprised. I thought I thought ballots had more juice. 
just based off his pedigree, he's way more name recognition, and he had the built-in conservative voter. Uh, I think it's a trend of a lot of the big mayoral elections you've seen lately, New York withstanding, uh, of leftists doing really well. Uh, and I hope Brandon Johnson can – people have said this on Twitter for a long time, but being a big city mayor is absolutely the worst job in United States politics because you get blamed for absolutely everything that happens in the city, no matter if it's your fault. Almost no one from a mayoral spot moves up. I think Illinois is one of the rare states that it could actually happen just because it's a safe dumb state with Chicago being so much of that dumb population. But it's a thankless job. And Lori got unlucky. COVID hit. She, she wasn't a great mayor for a large number of reasons, but COVID absolutely ruined her. Uh, so I think it was a bit the, – the primaries did surprise me. I thought she would at least finish top two. But I think Brandon has a lot of work ahead of him. Uh, Chicago obviously being the biggest scapegoat in the world for Republicans that want to whine, whine about crime, despite the fact that, as pointed out, Columbus has a three-time higher murder rate. Uh, shout out to our mayor. Uh, but anyways, I think the, for, for Brandon specifically, the DNC being in Chicago will be huge visibility for him in 24. I think it could really be a springboard for him. I'm not calling him Obama or anything the way it springboarded Obama, but I think it's a huge opportunity for him to, to make a name for himself and show that keep doing good work in Chicago and keep on improving. So happy with the results, happy to win. Yeah, I think that I'd mostly agree. Uh, what about you, Tyler? What do you think? Yeah, I kind of have two big takeaways. I mean, the first on Vallis is just, I think, you know, he came close, but it's weird to try and run in many ways as a Republican in a big city. I just don't think that's a winning strategy ever i mean max is right in that there is a portion of the vote that's built in but that portion of the vote is the one that's constantly losing <laughs> in major cities um so i think it's just you know what i mean i'm sure it's genuine on his part but i just don't think that's generally a smart move and i don't think you're likely to win i think you know new york weird case with uh eric adams there but even he i don't think really ran you know, right so much as he just kind of ran whatever weird ass lane he's in. Um, to the point of Johnson winning, though, I mean, it was surprising to me that he made it through the primary just because, you know, even with how much Lightfoot has so much hate, I did kind of assume being an incumbent, she was fairly likely to make top two. And if she didn't, obviously, Garcia had some juice for a little while there. But I think what's interesting to me about Johnson winning and and like Max said, the left having like a lot of pretty solid wins over the last, you know, year or two is just that. And I'm sure I'll get flamed for this from someone, but the left is more successful when they're not exactly Bernie Sanders now, I think he in 2016 was a great springboard for leftist candidates and introducing a more like mainstream take on like what the farther left side of the party could look like um more broadly to people that probably would have just typically voted standard d down the line but i think that especially in 20 he lost a lot of his kind of mojo and you know, especially if he were to try, I, I don't think he will, but, you know, if he were to be the person to primary Biden in 24 or something weird, like, I think that weirdly he is now a much weaker 
national figure than a lot of these more exciting people coming up. And so I think Brandon Johnson, somebody like him is the perfect, um, if he's able to, to navigate the hellish world of being a mayor, um, with that kind of DNC kickoff, I think he could be just a, a great figurehead of the, the left in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think so too. I, 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 w- I was kind of behind John, like, or in, in terms of um, my prediction, I was, uh, I, I thought that Johnson was going to win. I, th- I thought it was going to be by a little bit less of a margin. Um, and that was honestly just based on vibes. Uh, from what I had gotten from, you know, uh, uh, people on Twitter that live in in, in Chicago, pe- people on uh, that I know through through TikTok that might live in that, that live or that live in Chicago. Um, so I, I I was surprised it was a little bit of a bigger margin of victory um, for 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 Johnson, uh, but I I think that I would agree with with both both of what you guys said in, in that it could springboard him at least somewhat. Um, and, uh, you know, this is a, so it's a win for the left. I also found, or I also found um, it interesting that sort of the, the major players within uh, Chicago and w- within Illinois politics didn't endorse him. Um, you know, a, a, a lot of people were, uh, were, were, were kind of pissed off that Obama didn't, didn't do it. Uh, a lot of people were kind of pissed off that, um, that, that, that Pritzker didn't, uh, didn't endorse anybody. Um, so I thought that that aspect of it was kind of interesting and yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of all I got. <laughs> well, I would on the endorsement point, um, you know, I think it's interesting I think it was smart for Pritzker, for Pritzker not to endorse, but obviously Obama too. I mean, at this point, Obama is whatever. He wants to make his documentaries and, you know, not get too in the weeds with things. I get it. He had a hard job for eight years and, you know, he's earned a coast probably at this point. But, you know, with Pritzker, the last thing you probably want to do is start some perceived or actual feud with the mayor of the the biggest city in your state like that's just ripe for you know especially had say he endorsed johnson which it seems like was probably where pritzker personally would have leaned you know and vallis won like one running more to the right like i'm sure that would have been a hellish relationship and would probably not have paid off very well um i was surprised to see because uh vallis did get some big endorsements didn't he at the end there it was uh who was it was it durbin yeah i think durbin did uh uh did did, did endorse valves he got someone else like big within chicago circles um but um the, the, that name is, is is escaping me the i mean the durbin endorsement surprised me i mean i'm sure it was just they've both been in the same circles for a long time and and like max said valis had some some name recognition but what a i don't know i just that that seems like not a smart thing to wade into on durbin's part but also you know right now of all times to go with the more conservative vote in a race like that does seem you know weird to me um who knows maybe durbin's lining up to retire at some point here um been there a long time 
but yeah, that was strange to me. And I got a, I got a roll. I'm at dinner. Great talking with you. Sorry, I'm gonna miss that after the break. But uh, yeah, good talk. Later, Max. Thanks for joining in. Uh, well, and then there were two. <laughs> yeah, if, if we didn't make clear already, Max was calling in from the road, so we had a special guest call in there. <laughs> right, right. Um, one thing that I would uh, that, that that I would also like to uh, point out is that the. Republican crime message really hasn't worked. And that we saw that in the midterms and we saw that uh, in, in, in the Chicago mayoral race, we saw that to a degree in the, the, the Wisconsin um, Supreme Court race. So uh, it, like, like the crime has been sort of a, a, a thing that Republicans have hammered over the course of the past year and a half. And it hasn't bared out or bared out that well outside of New York. Um, uh, electorally. I think it's interesting because in a way, I wonder if it is working in terms of what people believe things are like right now. Like, I think people do think that crime is at some crazy high right now, yeah, especially people that don't live in major cities, right? Like in the suburbs, I think people do. There is this vibe that that crime is insane. What I think isn't working is that being an issue of major importance to voters still, even in Chicago, even in New York. I mean, again, New York may be an exception. Um, you know, when there's this kind of vague message of of crime and, well, you know, Democrats are going to get rid of the police. And I think at this point, voters know that that's not what's happening, right, at least outside of the the super conservative wing um you know they might be thinking that crime is a big problem right now but it's not top of their list right when it's like okay if i vote for you know paul vallis and there's a chance that you know he tries to get weighed into some culture war on lgbt things or whatever like versus maybe there's an issue in crime here like i just think that it's not as salient, right? And same with in like Wisconsin, trying to to argue that um, I'm going to butcher our justice's last name, but, but uh, Justice P. Justice P. Exactly. Yeah, I don't want to butcher that. Um, but you know that she's soft on crime and all this stuff. Like maybe people think that a little bit, but like, is that hypothetical to you? or to an average suburban voter or an average, you know, inner city voter or whoever, is that more salient than Dan Kelly is literally going to try and take your right to abortion away now, like actively? I just think that even if there might be a messaging win there, you know, I I bet if you had a big nationwide poll, you'd see that people trust Republicans or conservatives more with criminal justice right now, uh, unfortunately. Um, but I also don't think that's going to, that doesn't translate to votes right now. The people panicking about it and worried about it are voting Republican anyway, and have been for a long time. Yeah. So there's a disconnect between um, the, 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 the message itself and how voters vote and how, how they make that decision to vote um, when they go yeah, to the ballot yeah. box. A hundred percent. Well, and it's, it's the same with, you know, 
right now there's been this real push by republicans and, and right-wing figures to specifically be like attacking trans people right now i feel like the last three to six months especially we've seen a lot of that resurge and it's awful and cruel and we should stop it where we can but i do think what's been encouraging to me is seeing this very clear disconnect between that as like this huge like we're going to win back the middle of the road american with this and blah 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 and seeing you know mr beast and like you know people that you know he's one of the biggest media figures in the world right now right and normal people be like let whatever people are going to do what they're going to do cool like i care more about my friend than caring what my friend does you know in their personal life and it's a you know it's another one of these things that i think there's from the republican side a misread in terms of trying so hard to excite their base with an issue that has no salience on their side whatsoever like there's not i i would be willing to bet there are so few independent voters for which that's a major issue for them at all beyond thinking like cool let people live their lives how they want to live their life like it's the it's the cost of the republican party having totally given into the right in a way um is that to get through primaries they have to constantly talk about this stuff and constantly vote for these things and constantly make this their entire personality and that also translating to them being hooked on issues that are not winning issues consistently yep <laughs> and, <laughs> and even this week we've, it's, this week's kind of been a banner week for um weird conservative ads uh oh, from <laughs> yes yeah right beer or whatever yeah like <laughs> the, the yeah the, the the ultra beer i i don't even know what I, yeah I, ultra right I, that's what it's called ultra right beer it, i mean again <laughs> it's like you see stuff like that and it's such a disconnect from how you know how the right perceives voters and how voters and just people in this country generally are i mean i think if you asked some of these you know state house people pushing these bills or or just super conservative people that you know they would 100 percent think that this is an issue that they're on the winning side of right that's like they're the majority position and that you know oh people are super concerned about who's in their bathroom like all this stuff and it's like this is a like people either are generally i think on the more like sure who could like let people do what they want to do and or they don't think about this stuff at all like it's not relevant to them in their lives at all like you know or if it is it's like oh i have a trans friend like cool right or or my child is trans yeah or my child is trans yeah and suddenly these people are you know attacking that like and yet again i but if you ask these people they would 100 percent think that this is an issue that it's not an insular thing that this is not a like no everybody's concerned about this really because it seems like it's just a bunch of crazy people that are talking about it all the time <laughs> I, you know about who's I, repping their beer like right wow. or, imagine or, or, that. Or, you know shooting at at at, at, at 
and Bud Light. Uh, yeah, I spent a hundred thousand dollars on Bud Light to run over with my <laughs> massive truck. Wow, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, you know, I guess all of the all all, all the bots and, and and shit that like and retweet Matt Walsh's uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Know, uh, tweets kind of give gives him life. Um, I would. I mean, I would say what part of what to take from all this is just, especially for people that are really freaking out about 2024 already, because it'll happen and I'll get there too. There'll be a point where it's like full freak out mode. But having seen how the last couple of years have gone, like, I think we're heading in the right direction in that I think broadly... Democrats have gotten quite a bit more progressive, uh, especially on abortion broadly, especially on LGBT issues broadly. And I think the Republican Party has moved itself away from those issues in a very disconnected way, in a way where it's either we take the stance that everyone hates or, you know, you're Tim Scott and you flip flop and you don't really take a stance and then everybody can just assume that your stance is the one that everybody hates. So it's, you know, if you're worried about 24, steady the course, be calm. <laughs> Cause I haven't seen anything the last couple of years to show me that the Republican party has learned anything from 2018, 2020, 2022. They're, they're full, full steam ahead on, on these losing issues. Yep, I think that I'd agree. Um, and I think with that, uh, it's time to move on to our break. So uh, we'll see y'all on the other side. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Elections on Tap. So additionally, over the same time frame, uh, within the past week and a half, we saw the explosion of two state representatives in Tennessee. Tennessee is a ruby red state, uh, but elsewhere in the country, not so much. So my question to Tyler is, uh, do you think that this event alone or combined with others uh, may or will have any impact uh, electorally going forward? This was a weird... It, it almost surprised even me which is hard for you know republican legislatures in some of these states to do at this point this one did surprise one in how blatant it was that you know the two members that were expelled were both black and the one that wasn't was white like i mean it just there was a very blatant like oh okay like mask off you know no trying to hide what's going on here you know I, you see a lot of stuff on twitter more like resistor people being like, oh, like this is going to like we're going to bring them down in Tennessee, like support whoever's running for Senate and all this. Like, no, you know, Tennessee is deep, deep red. And maybe there will be a few people who this will upset, but it's unfortunately simply too far gone right, right now, uh, as are quite a few places in the South, um, you know politically there is just a not to say that we should write people off because people everywhere need support but like there are places where it is just very hard what i do think could have an impact 
is that this decision does not necessarily strike me as something that could only happen in Tennessee right now because of where the Republican Party has gone and where it is still moving that would like if you heard this happened in Wisconsin in a month would that really surprise you not really at this point you know like in Ohio if it happened with that not really like I wonder if not this exact incident right but similar very blatant instances of racism or sexism or homophobia right these things that are like even beyond your typical political thing right of like an issue that's steeped in racism but maybe there's some way they're trying to mask it or or hide it or whatever you know i would not be shocked that we see more of this and i think that's where you could see pushback right like if this happened in wisconsin or if this happened in you know ohio or if this happened in georgia or north carolina you know like some somewhere where it's not quite so massively an uphill climb that you know people have been so emboldened by the state of the current republican party and especially in states where there are super majorities it would not surprise me to see more just really blatantly awful things like this happen and to for that to have consequences you know it's it's unfortunate that tennessee we're not going to see that and that these people are just going to be able to skate on by as they have been you know but i do think that if we see this happen elsewhere again not the exact same thing but of a similar nature that could have have some level of impact yeah i think that i I would agree i mean uh to just touch on how herculean um an effort it would be to try and change things in tennessee right now um I saw someone tweet out the uh, the the closest races um, that would uh, that would just simply take away the supermajority in the state senate, or in, in sorry in in, in the, the the Tennessee House um, or the Tennessee State House, and uh, there were ten seats, and they ranged from a, a Biden a seat that Biden carried by five point four points to a seat that Trump carried by nineteen. Point three points, um, so it's really difficult. It kind of spells out how difficult it is to, to it would be to change to, to, to change things in Tennessee. And we're only talking about surface level, um, you know, uh, uh, just getting rid of the, the of the supermajority. Um, and I don't think that a lot of people necessarily understand that. So. Yeah. I, I think that it will, you know, uh, it, 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 things will, things may be closer. We might get bigger turnout in uh, from, from the youth, um, but it's not going to amount to a whole lot of change, unfortunately. You know, a state where you could totally see something very mask off like this happening is Florida right now with how DeSantis is running, with how Republican Party there has been totally emboldened by some big wins. But I don't think the sort of Republican strength in Florida is quite, you know, at this level yet. It's been a mix of demoralized Democrats. It's been a mix of 
you know, some level of natural fall off. Like there, there's been a number of things happening there. The but ineptitude think, of the Florida Democratic yeah, Party. Yes. Let's not forget that. You know, we see that they're going to get this heartbeat bill travesty through like, you know, it's one of those states where I do think if you see these really terrible, you know, policy things happen, but also just this kind of personal level stuff, I wouldn't be shocked to see more of a pushback because the level of entrenched that the Republican Party is there isn't quite the same as something like a Tennessee or an Alabama or whatever. I mean, as much as it doesn't feel like it, there is a level of thing that does still matter and it does vary by state. But, you know, actually my mind right now is going to Doug Jones managing to win in Alabama for those couple of years. Like there was a non-political issue there, uh, Roy Moore being a pedophile that w- outweighed. It's a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. That outweighed the typical massive red advantage there. Right. And so there are issues that can overcome that. I think it's exceptionally rare. I think, unfortunately, like Roy Moore running today would probably still win in Alabama, just in my mind, in the nature of how our politics has changed in the last couple of years. Um, But these are the kind of like moments and events and like way that you see the party, the Republican Party moving that. It, they're not one-off incidents right like these things don't just happen and then it's like oh whoops we made a mistake in tennessee and like this will never happen again anywhere like we'll be not racist now like that's not how things work and certainly not like so i do, do think that it's not that this tennessee expulsion will radically change you know an election down the line in tennessee or or nationwide but that general sentiment in the Republican Party that led to that, that will lead to other decisions like this, that lead to bad, you know, extreme policy positions and policy going through that could lead to. I mean, I'm imagining something like this combination of things, right, happening in Ohio, like a few months before Sherrod's up for reelection, right? like the expulsion of a state representative on clearly racist grounds, like a really extreme trying to criminalize people going out of state for abortion, right? Like things to take issues and suddenly make them not hypotheticals and make them like, oh, like people saying the state house is racist, like is true. And people saying that like they're extreme on this abortion issue is a hundred percent true. Like these things that keep issues that could be hypotheticals in voters minds real literal things that they're faced with i think do have electoral impact yeah i i think that i would agree um just to sort of uh, uh end with this i was arguing with somebody on uh, on tiktok of all places um in someone else's comment section um uh they apparently they thought that i lived in um uh i, I can't remember what this the, what district number it is but it's the the district with that uh the, the uh, uh florida republican 
um, who came out came out in, in, a, in a hearing and just you know just absolutely laid on to the to the trend to the trans community. I don't know if you remember hearing about that or if you saw. Was the, this the guy that made the X Men comparison? Yeah, the, the mutant comparison. The yes. Mutant yeah, he called them mutants. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he represents a uh, 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 an R plus. Uh, effectively an R plus 20 district. He won his 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 election by like 19 points um in uh, in in 2022. So you know a Ruby Red district, this woman thought that I lived in his district because someone else had commented that they lived in, in 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 his district. He said I see a whole bunch of uh, of, of signs here um with you know that are Trump signs, Trump DeSantis signs and like that you know that kind of thing. Um, and I was thinking of running, but you know I might not do it. Uh, so I commented. I said, "Yeah, you're right. It's it's a very Repo Republican heavy district." Uh, and this woman comment, or this woman uh, gets in the back and forth of me. Uh, it took me a couple comments to realize that she thought that I was this guy running for, uh, the, the, possibly running for um, the the his seat. And uh, and I I just kept saying to her, this is not a district that's necessarily winnable for for, for Democrats. Um, and you know I think that that obviously the TikTok comment section is not the best. Probably probably my you know least the least favorite part of of TikTok in my opinion, um, or at least my my least favorite part. But the 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 point that I'm trying to make here is. For a lot of people that have this sort of ingrained hope and uh you know see the younger generation as uh, uh and rightly to some degree rightly so as as a boon for democratic politics as a boon for left liberal politics um you know they're, I, they're kind of blinded by that to some degree when it comes to the races that uh that that they're that that, that they've that. Well, it's the it's like the West Wing mindset, right? In right. a way, yeah, like yeah. every race is winnable. You know, there's a level of persuade, like you can persuade anybody with enough. And unfortunately, as much as I wish that's how things worked, it, it isn't, right? Right. When a race like that is winnable, it's because something truly heinous has happened that's extends beyond politics. That is a Roy Moore thing, right? That's like, you know, there is no level of policy debate, right? That's gonna sway people's minds in an r plus 20 it's the it's the jd vance tim ryan thing right like you have jd vance who knows nothing and is a you know prep kid and all this stuff that uber wealthy that can just kind of say whatever the hell he wanted to and it didn't matter right because like there's a certain lean that is impossible to to overcome typically what i do think you know people should find because I, I think that level of hope is a good thing, right? Like, it's good to believe that things can change and that you can take these terrible people out. Like, that's, I think, a good mindset within reason, right? And so what I do think somebody like that TikTok commenter should find some hope in is that, yeah, maybe that R plus 20 seat with that truly awful vitriolic hateful person maybe he's safe there and he's got that job for a while but man you run that clip in an r plus one seat that a republican reps in a d plus 0.5 seat or you know republicans repping where and tie them to that candidate yeah yeah tie it because you know all these people are friends and all these it's like you know hey 
this you were endorsed by this guy or you endorsed this guy or you know you did a fundraiser for so and so he was you know like that kind of stuff you could tie these people so quickly together and that level of vitriol and hate and awfulness you know being spread you know i like to think will have some impact will drag some people down that are inadvertently tied to it um you know because the best we're going to get out of these some of these republican people in these marginal seats is being quiet on it right you're not going to see people outwardly condemning that guy i'm sure um so hopefully it brings them down too because silence is essentially complicity at that point right and uh, just one more thing about this whole situation uh she she kept saying, um, you know, we'll we'll get the TikTok people behind you. We'll we'll get you funded if you want to run. And um, I, I I said to her uh, respectfully, look at uh, look at Marjorie Taylor Greene's uh, latest race. Marjorie Flowers, you know, uh, uh, was able to raise fifteen million dollars and still lost by thirty one points. Granted, that's a, that, that's a, a district that's different than an R plus twenty district, but same concept. Yeah, same. Well, you know what? We got it. We're gonna. We need to spend the next year, just every, you know, every Democrat making Lauren Bobert into the biggest villain in in politics. I don't care what she. She could say nothing for the next year. We're gonna so that all these TikTok resist people. Are going to send all their money there because you know what that's one that probably is winnable and that we can make a real villain out of so, oh, yeah, so for sure. that's we're gonna we're gonna blacklist any marjorie taylor green posting and move on only to to laura <laughs> lauren bobert yes that's the, that's the play <laughs> uh, um well all right is there anything else that uh you'd like to touch on um um no yeah i'll just say just to date this episode a little bit uh joe biden's ireland uh vacation has been hilarious it's been my favorite thing there have been so many absolutely wonderful moments and memes to come out of that um the the, the dropkick murphy's the dropkick murphy's the <laughs> totally <laughs> passing by the prime minister that there's just been the the beat the hell out of the black and tans is i mean there's just so joe biden northern ireland king um hell yeah um (laughs) (laughs) uh well with that or on that note um i'd like to say i'd like to thank my panelists uh max for joining in for a little bit and uh tyler for joining in for the whole thing um uh but yeah so i'd I'd like to thank those guys and like to thank you all for listening um and we'll see you on the next episode which hopefully won't be too uh, uh too long also if you'd like to support us further you can do so by clicking on the link in our podcast description page this link will take you to our subscription page and you can donate however much money you'd like thank you again for listening to this episode